Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever episode. Yeah, of baby. Meet the quota. Yeah, baby. It's finally happening. Of Meet the Quota. Of Meet I the cut Quota. You okay. You did cut me off. Let's, let's start it again. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, no, I'm not doing this again. We'll we'll keep that last one. Meet the Quota. It's a podcast that I've been wanting to start up for a little bit, little while. Uh, I can't remember exactly when it started, but I always knew that I had a love for those fun historical quotes, even movie quotes, book yeah, quotes, man. anything, anything that could really bring out some kind of i don't know it, if it was interesting i liked it and yeah if it had meaning i liked it even more i mean I, i've always been saying you've always had good quotes whenever i would bring a situation or a problem to you like well you know someone once said and then you drop a quote and i'm like oh, he's right <laughs> so this is i think this is a perfect fit for you honestly it's a good idea thank you very much i, like I know it. my dad will be very pleased he was always that's where i got it from okay honestly because he was always the one to throw those quotes at me those little sayings like what i'd be upset about something and he'd say remember son the glass is half full not half empty and i'd say shut up dad yeah that doesn't apply to this situation lo and behold 20 minutes later i'm like wow it really was and i'm stupid so do you have you grown now to appreciate that quote more do you just hate it with every fiber in your being i honestly both (laughs) because i hate that it actually works i'm like Mm. I don't want to give my old man the satisfaction. Yeah, sure. For yeah. me, it was uh, my grandpa would always say, you know, it builds character. And sometimes you're tired of your character being built. You just kind of yeah. want to wallow in self-pity for a little bit. But it's like, well, you know, you know, Simon, you know, this is hard right now, but it's going to build character. Like, yeah, but I don't want to build the character, man. I, I'd prefer it if my character could rest for today. That would be <laughs> exactly. Nice. I've learned too many lessons in too short of a time. Yeah. All right. So, audience, here's how this is going to work. I'm new to podcasting. Okay. I'm going to be figuring things out along as it goes along, and I'm going to encourage you guys to tell me what you think I need to improve upon. Also, feel free to tell me what I'm doing right. Absolutely. You know? Uplifting. Please don't be mean. I have a fr- I have very thin skin. Uh, new guests each episode talking about new quotes. Uh, am, I, am I the first guest? You are the first guest, oh Micah Braden. I'm you so know excited. What? Micah, go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh, me? Okay. Yes. Is, your, is your podcast intro done? Yes. Okay, okay. Yes, oh, it is done. I'm going to put my keys on the ground here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our first guest for the first episode of Meet the Quota, Micah Braden. Micah <sighs> Braden, tell them what you got going on. Okay, the first thing I'm going to do is drop my keys on the floor so they don't clink anymore. Here it comes. There it was. There it was. Um, my name is Micah Braden. I've been a longtime friend of young Parker Philpott over here. We met in high school, at Emmanuel High School. and He was a freshman. I was a sophomore uh, during football. And here we are now. Uh, I have just graduated college about six, seven months ago, I think. Sounds about right. Yeah, or maybe longer than that. Um, I was a music education major in college, and I am now currently teaching high school band, orchestra, choir, guitar, and just about everything else that they need. So it's a brand new high school. So yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. So I've always been inspired a lot by quotes throughout my life, and there are especially some quotes have been hitting home pretty hard right now and they've also been pretty inspirational and kept me motivated through this time so yeah i've also i lost my voice today after teaching a very long day so i'm normally a little bit more i fluctuate a little bit more than this but yeah here we are i'm excited to be here man thank you for being here appreciate it all right so this actually this was a quote that you brought to me okay do you uh you want to read off the quote sure let me grab this real quick um, hold on, I gotta find it real quick. Uh, okay, yes. So this, well, the quote that I brought up, I didn't know exactly where it came from. I just knew that I liked it, and I'm gonna, I love it here for a second. 
it's that through the times that you are the most uncomfortable, you will grow the most. And you found a couple quotes that are from other people that's very similar to this, um, which we can go into. Yeah. But the reason I brought this up to you, and this is kind of my quote that's been driving me for the past, oh, geez, I want to say maybe three, four years. Oh, man. Well, I guess what happened is so I, w- I went to college my first year here at GCU, Grand Canyon University. Lopes up. Lopes up, baby. <laughs> and um, my first year, I decided to go into justice studies, which is just kind of a blanket major where it's like you could go into law with it. You could go be a police officer. You could do something within the city, within the government. It's just kind of like a nice starting point yeah. for any kind of legal. Yeah, legal, political, judicial yeah. thing. And I very quickly found out how much I was just so incredibly bored by the entire thing. Because <laughs> it's just reading papers and political discussions. And, like, I enjoy that stuff with my friends, I guess. But doing it for hours and reading legal documents. And it, basically I chose my major just to get money. Because I thought that's what you're supposed to do for college. Is that, like, well, now it's time to make money. So get one that's going to make a lot of money. And I did have some aspirations on what I wanted to do with a legal major. I don't know if I want to be a cop or if I want to be a lawyer or what. Um, but I just kind of picked it. And that whole year, I was just, I think it's your freshman year. So you, what do you really You're figuring do? things out. Yeah. It's a new space. Yeah. You're away from home. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're, You're an idiot as a freshman. Absolute buffoon. Yes. You're not very smart. And I'm a prime example of that because you think, you know, oh, I'm 18. I made it. No, not really. Um, and I went that summer had a little heartbreak here and there. It was a little, just kind of like lost in life, I guess. I didn't really know what my purpose was. Even though the quote of GCU is, find your purpose. How ironic. How ironic. I didn't know what my, I couldn't find my purpose. I guess I eventually did. So actually, I guess it's pretty spot on. Bit you in the ass. I think they got me, man. Jeez. Um, what I did is my parents were gracious enough. They bought me a plane ticket. Basically, I had saved up a lot of money and I always dreamed of backpacking through Europe. And my parents said, we're going to take care of the ticket because they found like a really cheap flight. And you have to pay for everything else. And I was like, oh, sweet. I was saving up just for the plane ticket anyway. So I've already got the rest of the cash ready to go. So right as that freshman summer started going into my sophomore year, I started backpacking through Europe by myself at 19 years old, which, I mean, who does that, man? That's kind of... Who does that? What kind of... Just asking to get in trouble, right? get arrested, you know? Um, hey, what happened to Micah? Uh, he died. Yeah. Where? Who knows? Right? Yeah. So anyways, I'm backpacking through Europe, and I remember distinctly, I walk into this cathedral in Hamburg, Germany. Mm. I think I said that right, Hamburg. Um, Hamburg. Hamburg. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Shut up, you stupid yeah, Americans. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? I wear a baseball cap and everything. Oh, Gosh. you didn't. Yeah, I know. Like, I didn't blend in, not at all. No. Um, and I walk in, and I see this this choir singing some beautiful piece in this cathedral because I always love going to cathedrals when I'm in Europe. I think it's the most beautiful type of architecture and history and all this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Beautifully ornate. You get to see just how they were able to use architecture in their day to reflect sound, reflect light. Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. Beautiful. And I can't even... Sometimes I struggle with putting Legos together. And I'm (laughs) like, how did they do this out of just limestone or in glass painting? Anyways, that's off topic. So I'm in this place and I see these people sing this choir song. And I did I loved choir in high school. 
in. I was too, I was kind of too scared to do music in college. I thought that people ask me a lot if I'm going to go into music in college. And I was like, nah, I think my time is done in high school. And I don't know if it was based out of fear or insecurity or maybe I was actually feeling, I, you know, sometimes you make a decision and you're like, this is how I feel, but it's more about what other people are telling you. It's reactionary. Yeah. It's like, oh, I feel this way because everyone says I should be doing this. Mm Mm-hmm. But a lot of people saying that I should be in music and being the stubborn donkey skull brain person <laughs> that I was and still am sometimes to this day. Dug your heels in. You're like, yeah, I was like, no, no I'm going to do anything I'm else but that. It. Yeah. And uh, I remember s- sitting there in this cathedral. I'm like, man, I'm like, I don't know what I have to do, but I have to be involved in music in my life. I have to be. So I summer ends, you know, I, I work this job. Dead end. I worked this job at this uh this farm and picking blackberries and driving tractors and stuff. Just gotta find work, make money. Yeah, you know, it's what you do when you're from the Central Valley in California. Yeah. And uh, you go into ag. You go into agriculture. That's what you do. Uh and you're the only white guy out there that speaks English. Yeah. And you gotta learn Spanish very fast. Um I get back to GCU starting on my sophomore year, and I'm enjoying working in audio. And I go to my I remember my first day of classes and I sit down for my second class of the day and open my laptop and the professor starts off and he goes so uh welcome to criminology and (laughs) psychology 101 today we're going to be discussing the uh uh (laughs) the psychology of and i immediately closed my laptop i looked at the person to my right and i said see ya and i walked out yep and I don't know if he's like, are you in the wrong class? I go, yep. And I walk out. Anything to get you out of there. Yeah. And I sit down and I kind of sit down on a bench outside and I call my my mom and my dad. And I was like, hey, I don't know what I have to do, but I can't do this because I can't die already. Because I already felt like I had died just sitting in that classroom. Man. And. I tend to be a very emotional person. So it's like I make I'm I in this moment, I'm like, I can't make this decision off of feelings. I have to be smart and logical. But also, I think my feelings are valid in this moment. I feel like God has put these I don't want to say feelings, but these these desires and this purpose in my life. And I have to fulfill this purpose. I don't want to walk out of his his purpose, what he designed for me. Right. Yeah. Use them to guide you Uh, out of whatever situation you're in and potentially into, into where I'm supposed to be. And I feel like that was a door closing really. Mm. So I go, I think I have to be involved in music, but I don't know what. So I call my parents and they go, whatever you do, we support you. Which I mean, like what kind of parents do that, man? Those are some good parents right there. Horrendous. Yeah. Right. (laughs) right. (laughs) Um, Thank God for him every day, man. And I call Mr. Robbins, who was our choral director in high school, who was a really big inspiration to me and really brought me to music. And I said, hey, I go, I know you did Westminster Choir College in, uh, I think it's Jersey or is it New York? Something like that. It's close. Yeah. He's probably going to kill East me. Coast. If he ever hears me, he's going to kill me for that. Um, Shout out Mr. Robbins. Yeah, right. right. Um, and just totally peeked the microphone right there with that one too. Um, <laughs> Oops. He, uh, and I go, I know, did you study somewhere before? He goes, I went to F. PU, I believe, to get his like general music degree with like a emphasis in choral. And I'm like, okay, so like, would it be bad if I got one here at GCU? And he's like, you can always start somewhere and then go on afterwards. So it's not going to really matter where you go for your general education unless it's like Berkeley or Juilliard. And those are like the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew I was never the best of the best, but I knew that I loved music and I had to be involved. 
And I spent over the course of three days, I called my counselor. I switched my entire major to music education, which is a very, very heavy course. Uh, yeah. Which I didn't know at the time. Um, and I basically had to catch up a four-year degree in three years. Um, I remember talking to you some of those days. It's like, hey, man, you want to, like, grab lunch or something? You'd say, sorry, man, I have eight classes yeah. today and three papers yeah. and student teaching and yeah. yada, yada, yada. It's... Like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's it was definitely... It was a lot. And so this first week I'm in, I take this... You have to take this music theory placement test, and I just flunk it. So technically I, w I shouldn't even be allowed in the College of Music because oh. I couldn't pass the placement music theory Dead test. Dead on arrival kind of thing. Yeah, like a zero out of 50 kind of thing. Oof. Um, and I remember my first day in music theory class and all these kids have been together already for a couple months or a couple years. Um, and I just am fish out of water. Mm. It's They're talking about, you know, suspended fourths, tritones, harmonies, counter melodies, intervals. And I just like, I... I sang the I sang the Music Man in high school. I was Joseph, you know. And all these people are actual instrumentalists. As far as I, when I say actual instrumentalists, I mean like they're percussionists, they're brass players, they're piano players. Um, there were some choral people in there too, but a little different, you know, a little, a little different, <laughs> a little different. So, and I, I realized in that moment that I had never felt more uncomfortable in my entire life, except when I was in Europe by myself trying to navigate these situations of like, I can't read that sign on the train station, but I know I have to get to this point and my train leaves in two minutes. These new challenges that got brought up. Yeah. And people are yelling at you in French. And then they tell me to take my, my clothes off in the middle of the, the train station. Cause I think I have drugs on me <laughs> and it, you know, very uncomfortable situations. It's, yeah. That sounds pretty uncomfortable. But in that situation, I was growing as a person, right? Yeah, I was growing in my confidence, in my ability to navigate situations, to improvise. And as I'm sitting in this music theory classroom, I'm like, crap. Oh, I don't know. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. And I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, I can either quit now or I can buckle down and I'm going to tear this thing apart. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of where that quote first started for me, whereas I'm thinking, okay, I saw myself at the start of the semester knowing nothing about how to play the piano, really, music theory, how to sing in a, at a collegiate level, um, educational courses, theory, pedagogy. And um, I saw myself at the end of that semester where it was more of just a survival mindset, and that was it. And it turned to a point where I'm like, look what I've done. By the grace of God, albeit, but it's, by just buckling down and going through the uncomfortability, making new friends, playing new instruments, learning new things, and just being willing to go, whatever happens, happens. I have, I grew more in those first four months than I had in my entire life. Yeah. And that continued through the next three years of college. Right. And then looking now, you get to look back. And I get and to you look. Can see that growth. Absolutely. Absolutely chart it through the days, months, weeks, whatever. Yes. You can absolutely see your progression. Yes. It's. And I'm like, okay, through the times and the times when I would have to work 20 hours a day at my audio gig, 15, sorry, 20 hours a week, excuse me, 20 hours a, a week, <laughs> yeah, not a day, oof. 20 hours a week for my audio gig, 15 hours a week for my RA position, which I wasn't that good, to be honest. Um, and another 40 hours a week of student teaching, which you're not getting paid for, yeah. right? And I'm just like, I'm not really sleeping. 
I'm not having a lot of time to work out, be physically fit, eat well. But I'm so uncomfortable in that situation, but I grew as a person and I grew in what, in my understanding of what my purpose was supposed to be and what I was put on this earth to do. Like, what's my destiny, right? Yeah. So basically, flash forward to now, um, they put me in charge of this program at a brand new school with, and at, with, at the risk of bashing, I'm not bashing, but I'm saying what the facts are. The, the right. facts are that, you know, we don't have a lot of budget. Um, a lot of things weren't, I don't have any of my instruments in, so it's a couple of percussion instruments because they're all in back order from China um, with shipping. Oh, jeez. Um, we have a lot of kids that don't really believe as much in the program because understandably so they want to be you know with their friends at a different school because it's a some kids were forced to go to the school and they were at their other high school and you have these parents that don't believe in you you're not really funded very well you're not really supported very well i should say and i'm this program the band program that i'm i don't know a lot about band i don't know a lot about orchestra really sounds like you were thrown into a uh a sink or swim kind of moment what it was and i realized that's exactly what it is yeah and and i want to like rehash i'm not bashing this is just what the situation is right that's and i'm so the facts yes and i'm so thankful for where i'm at right now so incredibly thankful but i realized i'm like oh man and every day it's like i just want to give up i want to quit and i'm like well why do i feel this way and it's because i'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. right and i'm like okay but i've always felt this uncomfortable in the past before and every time I feel uncomfortable it's when I'm growing so I I'm knowing now that I'm currently growing a lot it doesn't feel very good no 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 it's it's not going to feel good at no all. until I look back at it which knowing kind of sucks I wish I was still ignorant to it but I think I've grown more in the past four months and I've said this already but more than I have in my entire life and I spoke mm-hmm. with my my dad about this because he used to be in education and he's like, you've learned 10 life lessons in the span of 10 weeks, which most teachers take about their first five or 10 years to even learn. He's yeah. like, but you've learned it so fast because of this situation that's not ideal, but it's uncomfortable. Um, and we, as we did some research on this quote, we actually found that I didn't like, I, I knew I didn't come up with it. I knew I heard it from somewhere, but it's actually, there's a lot of variations on it from other yeah. people. I was able to write down at least four here. Okay. And so the first one we've got here. Uh, is from American self-help author Peter McWilliams. Uh, He writes, comfort zones are most often expanded through discomfort. And so even just looking at your story, your comfort zone has wildly expanded simply because of all of the discomfort that you've had to feel these past couple of months. You could be thrown into a similar situation that you were thrown in four months ago. Yeah. Easy peasy. Yeah. No no problem. Yeah, it prepares you for... These up more uncomfortable situations along the way. And uh, one of my favorite guys ever, David Goggins, he says that to look at these these failures and these hardships as training for future incoming situations where it's like, man, this really sucks and I'm going through it. But just wait four months from now when I'm like, oh, I already went through that. I'm chilling. I know exactly what to do yeah. in this situation. Wait till you can turn around over your shoulder and see where you've come from Absolutely. and where you are now. Yeah. Uh, That actually takes me into another variation of it, this quote, uh, by psychotherapist and self-help author Amy Morin. Okay. She writes, the more you practice tolerating discomfort, 
the more confidence you'll gain in your ability to accept new challenges. Hmm. So the more that you take on, the more that you, the more stress that you put yourself under and the more that you have to endure these uncomfortable situations, you will start to get more comfortable with it for one. And two, you will eventually find yourself be able to take on way, way more challenging difficulties than you ever thought you could. And it's interesting that she says confidence. Confidence. To check or to look onto these new things that happen to you. Because it's not merely ability. Ability is only one factor of it. And I don't even know if ability even really matters sometimes. Yeah. In the fact that I I shouldn't, I feel like we shouldn't be able to actually survive or thrive in these situations that we're put in. Excuse me. But the if we have confidence going into it, we know that we're going to learn how to gain the ability Absolutely. to over these come, overcome these situations. Attitude is everything. Yes. In the last couple of jobs that I've taken, uh, going through the interview process, and even a lot of the stuff that I've done here on campus, attitude has been everything. Mm. doesn't matter if you are the smartest guy in the room and you know that you can do the job. If you have a bad attitude about it, it's going to go to the next guy. Mm. And there were a couple of times with bartending, over this last summer, I was a bartender at Harkins, and attitude was everything. Mm. Another guy got passed up because he just, <laughs> quite frankly, he was an ass. Mm. And I remember one of my bosses telling me, like, yeah, we know we weren't going to hire you because you have no experience. You're going to be leaving in a couple of months when fall semester starts. But damn, you're a... You're a really upbeat guy, and you really want to learn. So hmm. welcome aboard. Yeah, I was like, and wow. When you really is helpful. Remember you spoke speaking to me about that, where it's like, I don't know, man. I don't have any bartending experience, but I want to learn this thing right now. It sounds really interesting to me. And you have that personable. You have personable attributes about you. Hmm. Thanks, man. Where it's like, it's like, you project the confidence, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna be uncomfortable. In the situation because i don't know how to make i'm not a mixologist no right or whatever that's the correct term right mixologist okay. yeah you're good am i am i offending the bar the bartending culture no, no, no. Okay. mixologist is as i know it mixologist is like an actual certification that you oh, can okay. get so you can make new drinks did you get certified i did not get certified as <sighs> a mixologist that would have been dope missed opportunity right? missed opportunity but you use this thing of like okay now i'm uncomfortable but I'm going to turn this into something where I, I'm going to gain new skills mm -hmm. and I have the, and I have the confidence, even though I don't have the abilities, but I have the confidence that I will overcome this and I will learn something new. And at the same time, I'm going to make some friends along the way. Yeah. Right. It, I think there's a stigma where it's like when you take on new challenges where you just put your nose to the ground and you just do it and you get it done. Yeah. It's the, that, uh, <laughs> there was a meme a couple of, while ago the grind set you know yeah the you grind want to put your nose down and go 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 yeah. and nothing else matters and i don't it's me and my work and i think there's some like everything is permissible but not everything is beneficial right i think some aspects of that will help you and like yeah you'll get it done but as someone who's done the the grind set quote unquote thing right you it's more important that you gain these abilities and you make allies and friends along the way so you gain this confidence like we were speaking about so you, now you have this confidence because you've gone through uncomfortable things 
Now you go into this bartending position and you could get in there and just go, well, I'm just going to learn this, get my job done, get my money and get out. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to gain some skills and good for me. Or what you could do, which you did, and you went in there and you gained new skills, you gained new abilities, but you also gained some friends and allies along the way, right? Yeah. And you made it more enjoyable. And I think that's with this quote, it can be a little, a little scary. You have to be very specific where it's like, yes, discomfort, you will grow the most. But when it comes with growing, you don't want to grow alone. No, absolutely not. That's why it's important to, when you are in those uncomfortable situations, either A, what I found, what I have been doing most recently with this kind of stuff is have people that I already knew, that already know me, that I'm really close friends with, like you, Ben, Colby, Preston, mm -hmm. have them around me in those situations to help support me or make those new relationships, which at first can be pretty uncomfortable. Absolutely. And that, that, that'll add to your uncomfortability yeah. is making new relationships. But only for a short while. Yeah. And then it blossoms. Well, and look where you are now from your, I don't want to say friend group number, but just even your ability to make friends randomly or with just new people. Like, do you feel now like you could make friends more efficiently or faster or more uh like more confidently can you be like oh i can make friends with anybody now because of these situations or do you feel the same i think I'd... but at the same time you've always been you've always made friends pretty easily you've I... had that era of or aura of confidence around you i, I would say yeah I, I haven't always felt that way though sure there, there have definitely been times where i felt like oh man everyone hates yeah. me i don't want to make any friends yeah but eventually you just got to get over yourself okay but I think more accurately, a more accurate way to put that is just I have found myself able to engage with any number of people and from any walk of life, for the most part, hmm. that I've come across. So you're not racist? I'm not racist. Oh, good for you, man. Only when I'm, you know, in a cotton lobby. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's. I've, I've always seen that part of you where you're able to make friends pretty easily. But I think, but we've spoken when we room together about, when we both, um, I, every man struggles with insecurity at some point, right? Oh, yeah. And not even at some point, throughout their whole life, I feel like. It is, it is the biggest question that every guy, I believe, is internally asking himself and facing and kind of wrestling with. Yeah. Am I enough? Am I able to succeed? Do am, I have what it takes? Am I who I say that I am? Am I who I see them? Because there's that, facade? yeah, there's that thing when you go to a new friend group and it's kind of like, I got to put on, you know, personality A for this friend group and I got to put on personality C. It's like, uh oh, I put on the wrong personality with the wrong friend group right. kind of thing. I said the wrong joke. Yeah. Now everyone hates me. Yeah. And it's, it's the worst when you, the insecurity feeling comes over you. Yeah. But as a man, you're supposed to like you're supposed to act and feel like you can take on the world and just kill anybody and trap down your tree, go fight the bear. That's who you are. But I think men throughout all of history has always struggled with insecurity. And I think how you react when discomfort comes. Like let's say this. I feel insecure in this job that I'm at because I don't know band that well and I don't know orchestra that well. And I have this program and these kids and these parents and administration and this whole freaking future of this high school that depend on me. Yeah. Now I can let my insecurities overtake me in this uncomfortable time and fall back and just 
let the kids run it or just go, I don't know. So you guys figure it out or give up and let my insecurities overcome and go, well, I just, I'm just not strong in there. So I'm just not going to do it. Or I can sit in that insecure feeling and wrestle with it, right? Like Jacob wrestled with God and I might have to break my hip on this, which is what happened with Jacob wrestled God, right? Yeah. And let my insecurities blossom and make that now a confident part of me. Or I just going to sit in this insecurity right here and just let God take the wheel. Right. Yeah. And go, you know what? I'm going to let you work through me and let you take over my insecurity and you, you make your, your magic happen. You do the work. Yeah. Let and, me be a vessel. Yeah. And I may not know. Right. But I'm going to let you go, let him work through me. So when I'm insecure in different relationships, different parts of life. You can, he will, I feel like you have these, he will grant you the strength to overcome these insecurities and become confident in them. And you're like, you know what? That's actually not a part of me. That's that like shame is not put on me. It's not a part of me. Right. Right. Or he's just going to work through you and let him take care of that. And you can still be insecure in it later, but he's working through you. I don't know. That's a feeling that I have. It could not be true at all, but I, that's what brings me comfort. I guess it's, it's kind of a vague way to talk about it, but. It's not too bad. Yeah, right. That's how it makes sense to me. As you were talking, that reminded me of yet another quote that kind of fits in with this um, from Mulan. Oh, from Mulan. He's talking to Mulan, and he says, the flower that blooms in adversity is the rarest and most beautiful of all. Mm. I mean, this kind of literature is literally just littered, literally littered. Literally littered. Literally It's just sprinkled through every piece of media. Rampant. Rampant. I mean, it's all over the place. Yeah. And I think that just kind of speaks to how true it is and what it actually can mean for, you know, the future in this generation. It's a universal feeling. It's a universal feeling. And I do believe that it is an absolute truth. As you encounter these uncomfortable situations, it is your chance to grow. Hmm. But but the key defining factor is it not just if you are uncomfortable, you will grow. That's not what I think this says. Hmm. I think that when you put yourself in these uncomfortable situations or you are put in these uncomfortable situations, it is your response that dictates how you will grow. Like you were talking about earlier, hmm. you could shrink, you could shrivel, you yeah. could back away. And then you wouldn't have grown at all. Yeah. You would have been uncomfortable and you would have not, you wouldn't have been able to reap these benefits hmm. now. It is that choice to push forward, hmm. the choice to attempt to rise to the occasion that really can eventually make you comfortable with the uncomfortable. So let me ask you this question. Let me answer you this question. So so what do you have then that helps you push forward in the uncomfortability? What is it that drives you? Because that might be an issue for some people where it's like, I know I've struggled with it sometimes where Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, you know, Micah and, you know, uh, uncomfortability, you're going to grow the most. I'm like, yeah, but why do I want to grow? And what yeah. am I going to grow into? What am I getting out of this? That might be a selfish thought, but what keeps me motivated? That's what I have to think. So I'm asking you, what will keep you motivated? And this could change, right? Uh, yeah. No, I think it absolutely has to change. Your uh, your motivation shouldn't be constant throughout your life. Like the same motivation you're saying? Exactly. Okay. I, I think that you should still have motivation, but you mm-hmm. should be motivated by different things. Because... People grow, and you're going to go through different phases of life. I would say most recently, and even right now, my motivation for most things that I'm doing 
this included, this podcast included, mm. is I've kind of cultivated this image for myself in the future that this is what I want my life to look like. I want to have the financial availability to have a house or at the very least my own apartment. Mm -hmm. I want to be moderately successful with this. Like I'm trying to build these stepping stones towards what I want. Okay. I want to be able to actually my dad said it best. Let me, let me take this back to my dad. Do it. He had this saying when I was growing up, he says, I want my family to be physically fit, financially stable, spiritually active. And eventually I added on my own thing. Uh, and I've just forgotten it. Nice. Love it. Uh, it, it was it was emotionally something. Well, so, okay, say it again. What were the three? Physically fit, financially stable, spiritually active. So are those? Those are my dad's three, his big three that he wants for him and his family. Is that your motivation? It, it, it's a big part of it. Okay. I would absolutely say it's a big part so of it. So define each one. How does that? So what physically fit? So physically fit? What does that mean to you? Because uh, that's not the same for everybody. Right. For a while, it meant I wanted to look good. I wanted to okay. just look good. You want to look good naked. I want to look good naked. Yeah, man. Darn right. Yeah. But I, that faltered off a little bit. That okay. wasn't motivation enough, clearly. Got a little bit of a punch. You look good, bro. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I have lost 40 pounds yeah. since last year. I've noticed. Which was kind of We crazy. lived together. Damn right we did. Yeah. Um, but now what physically fit means to me is just consistently physically active. So okay. healthy. Sure. I would much rather know that I am putting in some work and exercise, eating healthy and feeling healthy mm. rather than just I've got washboard abs, man. Yeah. Rather than that. Well, Obviously, because you can have washboard abs and feel horrible. Right. Like you look at uh, the Mr. Olympia competition right now. Oh, my gosh. And they're all diced. Yeah. They're shredded. You can see every single vein on their body, but mm -hmm. they all... They like even Chris Bum said I was watching his video today. He struggles with waking up. He struggles getting out of bed and just getting a cup of water because he has no energy because he's not consuming a lot of carbs, a lot of calories to maintain that physique for the competition. But he's not healthy. Like no. when you look at a bodybuilding competition, they're not healthy the day of the show. In fact, they're really unhealthy. They could like they could get sick at any second. They've got no immune system. They've got no body fat. So anything they get sick, they could just die. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting that you've defined that for yourself where it's not like define what healthy would be for you then if it's not washboard abs, which would be nice, but mm. define what healthy means to you. Uh, I would probably put it in terms of strength and stamina. Okay. I want to know that I am strong enough to whatever challenges I might encounter during my day at work. Okay. I can rise to the occasion. Someone needs something heavy picked up, boom, not even break a sweat. Yeah. And be able to feel that confidence in my own skin. Hmm. And stamina, I don't want to get burnt out. I don't want to find myself at the end of the day tired and exhausted because I'm not eating right and I'm hmm. not physically active. Okay. So I'm maintaining that stamina that I need. Interesting. When what was number two? Uh, number two, physically fit, spiritually active. What does spiritually active mean? And spiritually active, that's spiritually interesting. Active. That is not just like spiritually strong, it's spiritually active. Yes. So kind of tying into my physical fitness one, stamina. And staying in reading the word, mm. consistent prayer. And another big one that has become pretty big for me recently is talking to people about it. Okay. I have a friend 
that I have started talking to about these kind of big, big biblical topics mm. recently, and it has felt better than anything I felt in a long time. Really, getting to share the gospel with someone? Oh my gosh, it's crazy. So your friend is an is not a Christian. Uh, she says that she is somewhere, you know, kind of figuring things out. Okay. So Mod- you get to, you get to share the gospel while still wrestling with some of your beliefs. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because then she would challenge me with things. Yeah. And I would say, hmm. like, isn't a Christian supposed to be like this? Right. And you're and like, oh. I would have to think about my own. Gosh, dang it. She's yeah. right. Dang it. Yeah. Got me. Now I have to defend. Now I'm on the defensive. Yeah. Uh, but then I would look to scripture. Okay. Start answering those things. And it felt good to know that I was able to rise to the occasion. Yeah. I knew that I could go to the Bible. Yeah. And I would still be able to figure out. What verses mean what? Hmm. Where's the context? What hmm. do I need to talk about? Yeah. And I would be able to share that with her, and it was awesome. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And what was number three? Uh, number three, financially stable. Hmm. That to me means <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, kind of pinching pennies right now, you know. I'm, aren't we all, man? Aren't we all? Not, this economy. This economy. Biden's ruining everything. Yeah. <laughs> bra bra bra. Yeah. Uh. To me, that just means I want to know that I am taking good care of my finances. Okay. Not that I have a lot of money. Yeah. But recently, I took a personal finance course, and I learned some pretty good budgeting techniques. Oh, cool. I need to take that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll help you out with it. But, uh, you know, it just means to me, what what that third one means to me is that I am able to manage my money, however much or however little I have, for my own well-being. Hmm. And eventually for the well-being of my family. Yeah. I guess you do have to consider that too. You have, it's not just, I mean, it's just you right now, but you are, as a man, or as a biblical man, I should say, Mm -hmm. um, preparing for your future, right? Yeah. And you talk about uncomfortability, man. Oh, my gosh. Thinking about how... Well, I was listening today to uh, 1 Corinthians, and Paul's talking about, like, I wish for those of you who were unmarried, remain unmarried like me, because then you don't have to worry about both thinking about your spouse and God. And I was always kind of like, okay, dude, like, whatever. And the older I get, the more I'm like... But then he goes on to say, it's like... You know, if you're burning with passion, get married anyways. And I think he yeah. knows most people are going to get married, you know. Because being alone sucks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but you do have that time where you really only need to care about you and God's relationship. Yeah. And when you get married and you have kids, God still has to remain at the top. But you have to deal with living with another person in your bed and a couple other little humans throughout your house that you're responsible for for not being serial killers. Yeah. Right? I'm literally responsible for... Just about everything in their lives. Yes. For a very long time. For a very long time. Talk about uncomfortability. And you um, you see that in these people that are, you meet them and you're like, you're insane. And then they become parents and you're like, who are you? (laughs) Who let you have kids? Yeah. And, but, yes, who let you have kids? But you see them become more responsible. Oh, oh, you see them grow into that. And I shouldn't say every single time, but a lot of the time you see them grow because they're uncomfortable, because they're up sleepless nights mm-hmm. and hours and hours of taking care of babies and changing diapers and washing and all sorts of stuff, cleaning the house, poop, pee, everything. And they become into a different person yeah. because of the uncomfortability. Now, 
we talked about like, but if you don't rise to that occasion, if you don't have that motivation, mm-hmm. if you don't choose to try, yeah, you see these kids, I see these kids, especially as I'm teaching of yeah. the parents who haven't tried and, or it's just too much, too much work. And your heart breaks for these kids because their parents didn't follow through with the uncomfortability. They didn't grow in their insecurities. And now these insecurities are placed on their kids. And you can see this tremendous effect that even this little journey you might have can affect everyone else around you, right? So as you're preparing for the future with your finances, you may be uncomfortable now in the fact that I don't have a lot of money. I'm uncomfortable. I can't buy everything I want or I can't even Mm -hmm. buy Taco Bell today, that kind of stuff. But then when you're married and you have kids and you have a wife, you look back and you go, okay, me taking this budgeting class has now prepared me for where I am now, yeah. for my wife and my kids. I was able to take the steps yes. necessary to get yes. here. Absolutely. And then you you end up the better for it. Yes. And then when you're old and retired, you're like, <laughs> I'm done. Yes. But at the same time. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I don't want to go too much off topic, but I feel like. Uh, this is the part of the show when we can go off okay, topic. Okay. We have addressed the quote. That was something that I wanted to mention earlier. Okay. After the quote has been addressed and we've talked about it, you know, kind of beat it to death, then I just wanted to see where conversation goes. Okay. Well, great. So <laughs> this is the thought I had. <laughs> Here we go. Is, does retirement not scare the crap out of you? Um, no. Huh? Retirement doesn't scare the crap out of me. Sure. Okay. There's only one thing that scares the crap out of me. Death? No. Oh, okay. I, death would be far preferable from where I'm sitting right now. No money. No, eternity. Oh, we're going to... Oh, God. Yeah. Get this. You know what? Episode one, screw it. I guess this is what we're talking about. Oh, eternity. No, no it's, it's... We're just... It's like... We're just modifying. We're just... We're just... We're continuing. We're continuing. Okay, yeah. This is... It, this still... This still relates to uncomfortability. We're speaking about you being uncomfortable... Darn right. ...with what you're designed to be, with where you're designed to be. Yes. Continue. I'm so excited because I've gone through this before. Oh, my gosh. Every single time that I start to think too long and too hard about the idea of eternity and my immortal soul, I get paralyzed. Mm. Like my breath actually gets short. It's it's like I'm having an anxiety attack. Actually, it might be an anxiety attack. Who knows? Who knows? But it's that thought of... I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. We believe that through the blood of Christ, we are saved and we shall know eternal life mm-hmm. in the garden, in paradise, and then eventually on new earth after the events of Revelation and all of that nonsense. What are we going to do? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. It's going to happen forever. What do you mean it's going to happen yeah. forever? Everything is going to happen always and forever. Sure. Well, what does that mean? Won't we get bored? I mean, no, yes, maybe. What's going to happen? Okay. I don't know what's going to happen. And the fact that I don't know what it's going to feel like mm-hmm. and the fact that I can't comprehend infinity and living with infinity. Yeah. Not, not only living with infinity, being infinite. Sure. Oh, oh, it's happening again. Okay. Uh-oh. So talk, please. When I was a kid, I used to have nightmares about heaven, mm. which is a weird thing to say. That is an odd sentence. Right. I'd have nightmares about living forever and I'd be like. I wake up and I'd be like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And I'm like five. What a weird kid. What a strange thing to think about. Right. Um, and 
my parents would bring up Revelation, and I'd be like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Like me taking Revelation class with Don Connacht oh, man. was like hard enough for me, right? Mm-hmm. And I struggle with this, I would say, until about two years ago. Really? Yes. Recent. It's quite recent. Even my freshman year of college, I remember speaking with Tommy Calgoa and um or Kawagawi as they would say over the football PA speaker. Um they always butchered their names. They can't say I'm scared I said it wrong too. I'm always, I'm always scared. Um <laughs> Kawagoe. No, I forgot what it is. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Um and I remember speaking to him about being scared about eternity. And he starts sorry, Tommy. He starts crying because he is so looking forward to eternity. Damn. Because he yearns for it. And I think how do I get to that point in my yeah. life? I don't think I'm at that point still. I think Tommy is a very spiritually gifted man. Oh my gosh. I wish to be like him someday. He's a brilliant man. Um, Tommy is definitely like 30 years old in his soul. And he's, he's I, I think he's man. 120 years old in his soul. There that, you go. Yeah, that dude has, he has very, he has a lot of wisdom in his soul. I think he's mm-hmm. very blessed, much like Solomon. I think he prayed for wisdom. Um, and I, I had this thought. I'm, I'm walking back from a choir class or something here at GCU. And I'm like, okay, today I got to go do this. I got to go to work. And I had this thought. I'm like, this is it. I'm like, this is what I do the rest of my life. I go to work trying to get more money for the next paycheck. I got the paycheck. Dump. There goes rent. There goes food. There goes gas. <gasps> next paycheck. And I have this feeling of like, I don't truly feel like I'm ever 100% happy. And I thought about it. I'm like, I don't think anyone has ever one. Like, I think there's moments in your life where you feel complete joy. Like for me, I would say, you know, seeing my nieces, seeing my parents winning the football game versus CBC, you know, New York trips with chamber. Yeah. These little snippets where it's just, I can just remember it's just pure joy. Mm -hmm. But even then there's still something that's like, Oh, but I'm cold. There's always something missing. There's always something missing. Uh, Always a thorn. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. And, and I think about it like like today. I'm like, oh, school's done. I get to go hang out with my friends. We're gonna watch a movie, have some fun. But then I have to drive home. I have to go to bed. I have to wake up on Saturday. I have to do. I have to clean the house. I have to do it again tomorrow. I have to go back to school. I have to go back to work, over and over and over. But there, there is a time when I don't have to care anymore. When literally, like I don't. I will never not be happy. I will never not be joyful. Like there's a time coming at this point. I don't care what I'm doing in heaven at this point. Right. Mm. I could be doing the same thing over and over again. I don't think it'll be that way because I don't think God designed our souls to be like that. If you think about how his image is on us as people, right. And we're very diverse and different yeah. and we like different things. So I think the place where our souls can be truly full of him will be diverse and different. I don't think it looks like the drawings with the big pearly gates and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, the fat baby cherubs. Yeah, I don't, yeah. And I don't think it's like, well, now we have 10 a.m. worship service and now we sit here and we sing our songs and now we hear a sermon from Peter. Mm. With that, I don't want to put too much of like Western Christianity on what heaven is. Yeah. And I don't want to put too much of too much of Eastern Christianity of what, of what heaven is because no one actually knows. Right. It's like, yeah, but the ancient Hebrews thought this. Okay. They don't know. They're just like us. They were just ancient Hebrew. Right. right. They're still, they were still trying to figure. Yes. Out. For me, heaven is a spot when I finally, finally, finally don't have to ever feel any tinge of this is, I don't want to do this or this is off. It's just complete. 
okay. Hmm. In the feeling that I, that's that the, and I never have to worry about feeling sad or depressed or just a little bit just like, I don't feel comfortable or discomfort ever again. Bringing it back. Nice. I mean, that's like, that's the dream, right? That and is the I dream. think the older you get, and I will say this to you, the more invested you get in your spiritual life and your prayer life, the more spiritual experiences you have, by spiritual experience, I mean where you feel that you know it's God and you know and you know that you know that you know it's God mm. with you in that moment and how it, it will change your entire viewpoint in just like five seconds. Mm. And experiencing that forever, like it, I, I need, like I realize I'm like, I'm yearning for that. Why am I always feeling a little bit off? Because I'm not supposed to be here. I'm literally not supposed to be on this earth. Like that's I, true. I shouldn't say that. We are supposed. We're not supposed to be on this version of earth. We are supposed to. We're supposed to live be with in the God. Earth. We are not supposed to be of the earth. Yeah. And so sometimes, even we Christians, we we mix that up a little bit. Yeah. And that taints us. And as much as it sucks to say, like, I could get married or not get married, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I could have kids or not have It doesn't really matter in the spec of eternity. This job that I have and like. But I do with these kids. The thing that only really matters is if I can plant a seed on them for eternity. And I, I, I try to think about it less of like, well, I can't comprehend mentally what eternity, eternity is. I've, in, not that you're wrong for thinking that way, because I thought that way for a long time. I just haven't had that change of mindset. Yet. I think, yeah, it takes, everyone has a different journey. Mm. But now my thought is, I don't even care that I can't comprehend eternity. I don't care, because I'm just going to be with, I'm just going to be with pure love, you know, just pure light, pure love. I'm just with God. Yeah. And it's like, well, I can't wait to ask Moses this or Peter that. That could be a thing. I don't know. And I don't really care. Yeah. Those basic heaven questions. Yeah. Like, it's like, why would you ask questions about earth? In paradise. In, in paradise. Heaven, in, in, literal, in perfection. It's like what I want you to think. It's like, think about your moment where you have just pure joy. Whenever you think of that moment, you only think about joy. Mm. And then that just never ends ever. Right. But here's the thing. You could still get that little pit in your stomach when you think about eternity. And that's okay. I still do sometimes. But now I've kind of gotten. Now I've kind of gotten to a point where I'm. You know what? I think I'm good. I think I'll be okay. Nice. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I hope I can get to that point. Yeah. Eventually. I'm sure you will. I'm, I'm sure I will too. Yeah. It'll just, it'll take some work. It'll take some spiritual activity. Yes. Well. I think that's all of our time. Got to wrap it up. I think we're going to wrap it up. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the first episode of Meet the Quota. I'll what a great out. start, bro. What a great start. I, I love, love this. It. This was so much fun. Yeah. I wish I could do this every single day. Oh, my gosh. This would be a lot of fun. This is a blast. I I almost called it the Daily Quota. Really? And ben called me on it, our friend. He was like, but then you have to do an episode every day. Oh, yeah. I was like, ooh. Even if... I don't have that. Even if zero people listen to this, I still had an absolute blast. Right. I would do this again. Well, good, because you're going to be on another episode. Let's go. Up. I'm excited. Uh, I don't know where I'm going to post this. I don't know moving forward what's going to happen. But you know what? We are going to figure this thing out. Let's do it, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Parker Philpot and Micah Braden on Meet the Quota. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir.